Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 64 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Monday the 1st of June 2020 on a glorious sunny day here in Scotland. I just want to start the episode by saying that I hope you are safe and well. Uh, these continue to be very tricky and scary times um, with the global pandemic and various other things in the news. So I just want to send out my love and empathy and good wishes to you. My guest today is Hayley Chewins, an author of magical feminist middle grade fiction. Now, I have to apologise for the sound quality in the interview. I don't know if it was Skype playing up, our broadband being overloaded with everybody online um, at the moment, or the fact that I'm in Scotland and Hayley is in South Africa, but it's not wonderful quality. I do hope that you'll persevere as Hayley writes children's fiction, which is something I've had a lot of requests to hear more about, and I really enjoyed speaking to her. Before I get to my writing news, I do have an announcement to make. My patrons already know this, and they were so lovely and understanding, but I'm still a wee bit nervous. As I hope you know, I've loved running this show for the last five years, and I've got so much benefit from it personally. Also, I hate to disappoint people, and I know that many of you are using podcasts as a source of normality and stability during this difficult time. I know that I am. So yes, you may have already guessed, but I have decided to pause the Worried Writer podcast. I love helping other authors and being part of the writing community, uh, so there is every chance that I will miss podcasting terribly and be back in a couple of months. But I also feel that after over five years of making the show, I do need a break and just a little pause for my creative life to be able to turn more inward just for a short time and to really focus on my fiction. I also want a wee bit of time and distance just so that I can think about what I do next in terms of helping other authors. So my initial remit for the show, which was to learn how to be more productive and to overcome my own fear and self-doubt, while hopefully helping others to do the same, it's no longer quite as personally applicable as it was. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm still a mess of insecurities, anxiety and writerly worries, but I have developed strategies to deal with them most of the time, um, which I put in my Stop Worrying, Start Writing book. But more importantly, I have discovered that I am truly not alone and that my self-doubt doesn't mean that I'm not cut out to be a writer. It's a really normal, common part of the creative life, and that is something I have truly learned through chatting to other authors um, and hearing from you over the last few years. So really, in selfish terms, I'm no longer getting quite as much out of asking the questions that I ask of my guests. So while I really enjoy chatting to other authors, I do feel like I want to evolve past my initial queries, and I just need a wee bit of time to think about what that will look like in the future. 
I've got various ideas for online courses or maybe a mastermind sort of closed group or a class. Um, And I know from my messages that many of you would like this kind of more detailed, hands-on sort of teaching or help. So that's something that I'm going to really strongly consider So some practicalities next. Uh, This is very likely to be a pause and not a goodbye forever. Um, So I will use the same podcast feed if I return. So if you just leave your subscription to the show in your podcast app, then if I come back in a couple of months, a new episode will just pop up like a lovely surprise. I mean, hopefully you would consider it a lovely surprise. The Worried Writer website will also continue. You can revisit the backlist episodes of the podcast and there will be new content going up there over time as I work out my new focus. I also want to say another heartfelt thank you for listening to this show and for your tweets, emails and support. It really has meant a huge amount to me and has helped to transform my writing life. Thank you. So on to my writing news. I've finished rewriting The Pearl King and it is up for pre-order. It will be out on the 25th of June. Do consider checking out the Crow Investigation series if urban fantasy or paranormal mystery is your thing. Also, I have finished my new non-fiction book. The second Worried Writer book is called Stop Worrying, Start Selling, The Introvert Author's Guide to Marketing and it is out next week on the 9th of June. It's also available for pre-order and you can head to bookstoread.com forward slash start selling if you would like to do that. And that's books to read to being the number, not the word. Bookstoread.com forward slash start selling. I will also put links in the show notes. The paperback will be available at the same time as the ebook and the audiobook will be following later this year. I had intended to get it ready at the same time as the other formats, but I will be recording it myself and a combination of the pandemic situation draining my energy and shutting my uh, sound engineer's recording studio and being just a tiny bit too busy, hence cutting down on my obligations, has pushed it back. So apologies for that. The book focuses on adjusting your mindset when it comes to marketing, money and selling your creative work, as well as offering practical tips and strategies for author branding and promotion. If you do pick up a copy, I would love to know what you think. You can still get in touch with me at sarah at worriedwriter.com. So that's all from me right now. I do wish you all the very best with your writing and thank you once again for listening. And now... Onto the interview section of the show. Hayley Tewins is an author of magical feminist middle grade fiction. Her debut, The Turnaway Girls, was a Kirkus Best Book of 2018, and her second book, The Sisters of Stray Garden Place, is forthcoming from Candlewick Press this September, and it has already been called Superb, Spooky and Unforgettable in a Kirkus starred review. Hayley lives in South Africa and also works as a writing coach. Welcome to the show, Hayley, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I was wondering if you could just kick things off by telling us a wee bit more about your forthcoming book, The Sisters of Stray Garden Place. Yeah, sure. Okay, so The Sisters of Stray Garden Place is a middle grade fantasy book. 
and it's set in a magical mansion that's surrounded by really tall silver grass. The grass is so tall that it covers the entire house. And it's about three sisters who have been abandoned there and left in the care of this magical house. Their parents have left, and they've left them a note saying, don't leave the house, wait until we come back. And what happens is the elder sister leaves the house. She does go walking into the grass one day, and she returns and starts to get really, really sick and starts to turn silver. And it's up to the middle sister, whose name is Mayhap, to figure out what's going on with the grass, why her sister is so sick. And when she starts doing that, she kind of starts to unravel all this other, all these other mysteries um, around her family, like why her parents actually left, why the house is magical, and everything kind of starts to unravel. Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And that's exactly my kind of book. So I'm very excited to read that. And that's out in September this year, September 2020. Yes. Um, in America, it'll be out in September 2020. Um, in the UK, it's coming out, I think, in March next year. Wonderful. Well, that's very exciting. And I was going to say as well, I haven't seen the cover for this one, but I, I saw the cover for your debut and it's absolutely gorgeous. So is that a similar sort of genre, your, your first book? Yes. Um, so they're both kind of upper middle grades. So they kind of fall into that 10 to 14 um, range. And yeah, they're middle grade fantasies, um, but they are kind of on the darker side. Mm -hmm. And the Sisters of Stray Garden Place even more so kind of walks the line between fantasy and horror. It is quite a bit on the spooky side of things. Wonderful. And what sort of led you into writing for that age group and in that genre? Did it Was it just something that came naturally or something that you found difficult to choose? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I first started writing, I actually uh, was writing kind of adult literary fiction. Um, I was uh, I don't know. I just, I guess that was kind of mainly the kind of thing that I was reading at the time. I was in my early twenties and I'll just kind of tell you briefly what happened and how I came to realize that I wanted to write novels. Um, I was studying, I did a, a bachelor of arts in Italian and English literature. And so I was always reading and writing and I'd always loved, I just always, always loved books and loved stories. Um, and then, uh, after I did that, I did a, a law degree, and it, so it was kind of the first time in my life that I didn't have time um, to read fiction anymore or poetry. I didn't have time to write. I was just reading so many cases and kind of legal articles and having to write legal essays um, and write lots of tests and things like that. So it was it was kind of the absence of literature from my life that made me realize how much it meant to me and. Um, and at the same time, I was kind of also uncovering the the, the truth that I, I didn't really want to be a lawyer. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's kind of when I started. Um, I just became really uh, driven to, to write. Um, so I was about 22. Um, I loved writers like Ian McEwan and Arundhati Roy um, and Angela Carter. And... Um, yeah, so when I first started writing, I didn't really have any ideas for books, and I and I certainly wasn't thinking about writing children's books. I was just kind of trying trying to write like these writers that that I really admired, and I didn't have uh, a sense of what I wanted to say or kind of my own voice or anything like that. I just felt like I just I was kind of just very stubborn about it. Like I wanted to know I had I really had no ideas and nothing to write about. 
Um, but as I as I kind of kept writing, I kept noticing that children would just kind of appear in my stories all the time. So I would just I just kept writing about children, even though technically I was writing books for adults or stories for adults. And um, then I also at the same time kind of started to um, read lots about publishing and sort of discovered children's the children's world and started reading more widely and reading middle grade books, reading young adult books. And it was really writers like David Almond and Kate DiCamillo and Sarah Crossan who opened my eyes to how incredible middle grade books could be. Um, I remember having this moment when I read Skellig by David Almond, and I kind of this feeling of, oh, I want to write something like this, like something that makes someone feel like this. Um, and so that's when I started trying to write, uh, trying to write middle middle grade books. But I was also kind of writing more uh, books, more on the literary side and more contemporary realistic books. Um, and so, yeah, it just took really lots and lots of writing the wrong thing for me to find <laughs> what I was actually meant to write and what actually ended up feeling really alive and and exciting for me to write. But it, it took a, long, a lot of persistence to find it. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's such an encouraging um, account because I think, I mean, I can certainly uh, empathize with that, that feeling of wanting to write but not really being sure what and yeah, I think I think that'll resonate with a lot of people. That's brilliant. And in terms of when you did write, you know, your first book that you thought, okay, this is middle grade. I often get questions about getting started in children's fiction, which I know you know nothing about. So I'd I'd love to hear about your path to publication. Okay. Yeah. So um. So I like I said, I was just writing lots and lots of manuscripts and kind of having the feeling of. Um, you know, I was writing things and finishing things because I'd, I'd realized that in order to learn how to write a book, I actually had to write a book. I know. <laughs> so annoying, I know. <laughs> yeah, so I I was kind of just on this, um, on the, I had this drive to finish things. But at the same time, even though I was finishing manuscripts and revising them, I also kind of knew that they weren't very good and that I hadn't really found like just something really interesting and really good and something that I really wanted to, that, that really felt like me. Um, so it took, I mean, I actually kind of lost count of how many manuscripts I wrote, but it, it was, it was many. Um, and I think the middle grade ones, there were, there were at least four. Um, and then eventually I got to a point where I wrote, uh, a, uh, a novel in verse. It was a middle grade novel in verse that was kind of like um, not really fantasy. It kind of blended the real with the unreal, sort of like contemporary with a bit of magic. Mm-hmm. I finally felt like, okay, this is the kind of book that I want to write. And, you know, and I felt like it was quite good and I could kind of write a pitch for it and send it out. So I did lots of research on how to write a pitch, how to write a query letter. And I Googled um, lots of agents and kind of tried, tried to find, find agents who represented the kind of thing that I'd written and I started querying. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get quite a few requests from that. Um, and then I ended up getting um, one agent asked me to revise the manuscript. Uh, he basically wanted, he read the whole thing, really loved it, but also it felt like it needed a lot of work, which was very true. Um, so he sent me lots of notes and I, I, um, the, the notes resonated with me. So I agreed to do the, the revision for him. And what ended up happening was I took a couple of months to do that. 
um, and sent it back to him and it, it didn't end up kind of resulting in an offer of representation. But it was a really good experience for me because I learned how to revise and how to take notes and I learned to, it just made me think about stories in, in a way that I hadn't really thought about. So it was mm-hmm. really fantastic to get that feedback. Um, but I also didn't really know um, kind of how to make that manuscript any better than I had already made it. I didn't know how to fix it. So I decided to set it aside and I started a new project, which actually ended up being the Turnaway Girls. Um, and what happened with the Turnaway Girls was that I entered one of these kind of Twitter pitch competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it ended up being that it wasn't like a like when you tweet a pitch and then agents like or favorite your tweet. It was like someone, uh, a writer who had arranged it and it was on her blog. So they chose writers or stories that were interesting and then put the stories, the, the pitches. And I think it was like the first, I don't know, five pages or something like that on the blog. And then um, agents who went to the blog could request more material in the comments. And... That's how I ended up meeting my agent um, because she kind of requested materials through that. And she also, it was a very similar experience because she read it very quickly. She loved it, but she also had lots of notes for how it could be made better. And she didn't feel like she could make an offer of representation based on the state that the manuscript was in. She It, it had lots of plot problems. It had pacing problems. Um, and she gave me lots of notes and she gave me a list of books to read. And she kind of asked me if I would be willing to revise it. And again, I was like, yes, I'm really persistent. All I want to do, like, this is the only thing I want to do. I just want to make this book better. And I was so, so grateful to her for that feedback. It was really such a gift. So I did the revisions. And then, yeah, long story short, she ended up offering me representation based on the revisions. And that's how I ended up getting an agent. And, yeah, and then... Uh, with my first book deal, um, had it was like deja vu because we went out on sub with the manuscript, and my editor loved the book and thought it needed, you know, <laughs> and and she sent me the most wonderful. She sent my agent rather the most wonderful edit letter, um, and I did I did the revisions, and then we ended up getting an offer on the book. So um, even though it has been a little bit of a circuitous path or it not circuitous but I have had to I, d- I did feel like I had to revise that book so many times before it actually became a book um, and then of course edits after you know Candlewick bought the book but I, I have learned so much as a writer through getting you know that kind of feedback so I always say like if you get an offer to revise and resubmit it's such a compliment um, from the agent or the editor because they they're taking time to read your work and to give you feedback on it um, even if they're not offering you a book deal or offering you representation, there's a high chance that if you do the revisions that, you know, it will end up um, mm. going your way. So, and and even if it doesn't, you just learn so much about your own writing. So, mm. yeah. No, I think I think that's um, I think that's excellent advice, and it's also thank you for sharing the story. I think it was a a very um, very usual, <laughs> very sort of typical story in the sense of you know you we have to write a lot, and like you say, finish books, and then they're not they're not really publishable. But then, you know, going through editorial feedback teaches us how to revise and how to write. And I think again, hearing it again and again, it's so important for people to know that. It is a craft and it is perseverance. And I think your, you know, hats off to you for your attitude of being grateful for that um, learning experience. I think that's, 
you know, I think that's really encouraging and really good. So in terms of giving people advice, I mean, going through submission, it is really tough. It is really hard. It can be heartbreaking. What do you think helped you to keep going? No, I think I just had, and I, I always kind of, basically from the moment I decided I wanted to write novels, I just knew that I was going to do it. I just knew that no matter what it took, mm. I was going to kind of stay the course. And um, it's also, I think it's just having like a, a passion for the actual craft of writing. Like I always, when I talk to writers who have um, kind of who worry that they don't have what it takes, I always say, you know, if you, if you have a desire to do something, that's an indication that you do have what it takes. Firstly, mm. I really, you only have the dream to do something if you ha- already have everything within you to, to have that thing and to do it. Mm. Um, so firstly that, and then also just if you're very connected to why you are writing and why it's important to you and your love for it and your passion for it, then that's kind of what keeps you going. So um, yeah, because the thing is, like, even after you get published, um, even after you get a book deal, there's still so much rejection. <laughs> you can publish a book and then not sell your second book. You know, you can get really bad reviews. You can just, you know, someone can say something really horrible to you on Goodreads or horrible about your book on Goodreads, and you just have to you have to keep writing anyway. You know, so. Mm think that that's kind of part and parcel of what it what it means to be a professional writer and to share your writing with the world is to face the possibility that someone might not like it or that someone might say we can't sell this or this isn't working or anything like that so mm-hmm. it, I mean it's very very difficult but at the same time it's kind of just part of the package and so in order to continue the, the stuff that I do is I just constantly remind myself why am I doing this it's because I love language I love stories um I really feel like I was born to do this uh so yeah I'm gonna keep doing it um and you kind of you do need to have that persistence and that that perseverance that's very true and to go back to the sort of children's fiction thing uh, for a moment having learnt to write for that age group, um, do you have any particular advice um, for writing for that age group or for getting published in that in that field uh, for listeners? Well, um, I guess the first thing, which kind of seems very basic, um, but is but I think is very important and really helped me, was just reading really widely in the, in the genre that you want to write and then also in the category. Um, so if you want to write fantasy, um, you know, middle grade fantasy, then read lots and lots and lots of middle grade fantasy books and also recently published ones so that you can see kind of what's getting published, you know, in the past, I don't know, three, four, five years. Um, and so that's the start. Um, the other thing is, I think just remembering what it felt like to be a child and being really connected to how you felt when you were 12 or 13 or 10. Um and really respecting the experience of childhood, um, which I think all great children's writers do. They just have such a deep respect um, for children and how they, their experiences and how they feel. And they don't kind of talk down to them or belittle them or um, or kind of see their experiences as small and unimportant. In fact, they kind of see it in the opposite way that things that happen to you when you're a child are so they, – they kind of get imprinted on you and they're, so, they're these deep – really important experiences so yeah I think I 
think that if you can connect with how you felt as a child, that really goes a long way when you're writing child characters. That's great advice. And um, I'd love to now delve into the nitty gritty of your writing process, if that's okay, because I'm still completely obsessed with how other writers do it. (laughs) So um, things like, do you write every day or do you keep business hours or, you know, do you aim for a particular word count and do you outline all of that? What's your process? Okay. Yeah, I'm also reading about how other writers write because I think we all kind of think that someone else has a secret that we don't have. (laughs) Definitely. I'm waiting for it. (laughs) How to make it easy, please. (laughs) I do find myself Googling how to write a book. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I'm actually quite disorganized in my process and not in a bad way, but I don't have, I'm not very strict with myself in terms of like writing every single day and like say writing, I know there are writers who write 2000 words every day of the year. I'm not really like that. Um, I have to kind of spend a lot of time dreaming about an idea before I start writing it. Um, So I have to kind of let it sit in the back of my mind and like kind of stew there and let it, I don't know, like I, I need to, it's it's like a process of discovery, but it's passive, not active. It's kind of just like watching and waiting um, for the way that this thing sits in your mind and how it grows and images that come up and things like that. And then I'll start to take notes and I'll sometimes brainstorm. Brainstorming is really like fun for me. I love like putting on music and brainstorming. Um, but I find, so I might get a few of the pieces of the story from that. Um, usually I do. I have like kind of a character, maybe a, a the situation in the beginning of the story, a little bit of, of the world, what kind of world they live in. But in order to discover the story, I have to write um, many, many, many drafts So because I work very intuitively. So I find that when I'm brainstorming or thinking about the story um, before I write it, um, it's a very valuable process to me and I enjoy it. And it's really fun, but it's, it's like a different part of my brain that's working mm-hmm. where when I'm actually in the story and I'm like in the voice of the character or in the language of the story, things just kind of happen serendipitously that are really magical and interesting and it changes everything. So I might think that someone is in a kind of a particular situation. I think I have an idea of what's going on and why they're in that situation. And then suddenly they're having a conversation in a scene with another character and they say something and I'm like, oh, that's why you have this problem. Well, you know, that's why you made this decision. So I just write lots and lots and lots of drafts in order to kind of discover, you know, what the actual story is. And then between those drafts, I might go back and forth between writing and outlining. And I, when I say outlining, it's not, um, it's very kind of broad strokes outlining. It's kind of thinking about the the broader mechanics of the story, not thinking really on, a, on like a nitty gritty or a scene level. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and when I often like sort of write and then get halfway through the, through a scene and then feel really stuck, like I don't actually know what's going to happen next, or or as I'm writing, I'm feeling like oh, this is wrong, like this is this is this right thing that's supposed to happen, but it's not supposed to happen this way, or something isn't clicking. And then what I'll do is I'll take a break and I'll step away and I'll brainstorm a little bit about how I actually want the scene to be, and then go back to writing. So it's very intuitive and very organic, and it takes. It just takes lots of disorganized messiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just nodding away in understanding since I'm also an intuitive, write loads and loads and loads of drafts before I work out what the story is, kind of a writer. So it's always a relief to me when, 
when I meet another one. <laughs> yeah, so I have tried outlining in detail before, but then, um, so firstly, I don't get really, I don't get the same kinds of interesting ideas that I get when I'm in the scene. And then the other thing is that I get kind of tired of the story before I've even written it. Yeah. Yeah, I just find like the most interesting things happen when I'm just in the the language and I'm playing and it is, it's more akin to dreaming than it is to like figuring or figuring something out or problem solving or like coming mm-hmm. up with something. It's not a logical process. It's, it's, you kind of have to, well, I have to kind of sw- just swim in this like language and free associate and just have images come up and have things not make any sense so that I can kind of go back and go, okay, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to keep that, maybe toss that out because that, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And um, this obviously is The Worried Writer, so I'm going to press you for more creative difficulties, I'm afraid. You you just mentioned, you know, stepping away if you get stuck in a scene or maybe doing some free writing or something. Um, is there a particular part of the process when you're most likely to get blocked or does fear strike at any point in the process? Mm, that's a really interesting question. You know, I always find I get stuck... Um, so I, I really love writing like the the beginning of a book, the opening, mm. and then kind of catalyst moment when something happens and everything changes for the main character. Um, and then once I'm kind of getting into the second act, I start to get really scared. <laughs> <laughs> I always kind of uh, start to feel like, you know, does this um, does this idea have enough of an engine to actually carry through over the length of an entire story or entire novel? And you know, what's going to happen next? I always kind of get a little bit stuck around that point. And, and yeah, that's when I kind of return to stepping away and free writing or brainstorming or even just not thinking about it and doing something else like going and exercising, going for a walk, um, cooking a meal, um, even cleaning, um, actually doing the cleaning that I've been putting off (laughs) for three days. Yeah, that that really helps to kind of just let my brain figure out the 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 problem on its own, and then usually a solution will kind of pop up. You know, not not always immediately, and you you can't. That's the annoying thing is you can't control it. Um, mm. But but you know, within probably a day or two, some kind of solution will pop up, and I'll have an idea of how to move ahead. Um, because often I have a plan, um, like a vague plan for how I think it should go. But when I get to the scene. And so I've got written down, I've got like, oh, yeah, they need to go to a party in this scene, let's say. And then when I'm actually in the scene, I'm feeling like, no, that's that's not going to work. It's just not the right thing um, to happen now. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a very um, – I get stuck a lot. I get stuck like multiple times a day. I just – I think I just don't let it bother me anymore. Like I just kind of feel like it's part of my process. It's part of how I write a book. So if I get stuck, I know that I'll always get unstuck. Like it's not a permanent um, state, and I think that's what used to really scare me. Was I kind of felt like, oh, I'm stuck, and I'll I'll always be stuck, and I'll never get out of this. When actually, stuck is just it's just like, oh, I need to solve a problem. Yeah, mm. like going to happen next, but I can I can solve it. I've solved a million of these problems before, so I can do it again. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, and like you said, that experience really does help, doesn't it? You think, well, I felt like this before, <laughs> and it's been fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really good. And with, I know you um, you mentioned that you you work 
as a writing coach. And I wondered whether that helps you with your own creative process. It really does because it's, I think, um, I think when you write kind of full time or you're writing or kind of writing a lot, there's a, you, you become very inward focused, um, which is, you know, a good thing. That's a necessary thing when you're writing a story. Um, but you can kind of become very stuck in your own head. And the really lovely thing, I, I mean, I just love talking. I, I, and I think I have a feeling you have the same thing. But I love talking to writers about writing. I love mm-hmm. talking to writers about how they write. And it's always so much easier also to have perspective on someone else's kind of a feeling of, of doubt or feeling of fear um, than it is to have perspective on your own feeling. Um, so when you talk to other writers, you realize we're actually all in this together. We all have very similar problems and very similar blocks. Um, and it just, it really gives me, it really feeds me and it gives me so much energy to have a bit more of an outward focus, like sometimes to not be so focused on my own uh, my own psyche and my own <laughs> writing and my own stuff, you know? Um, mm. Yeah, and, and you kind of notice when you start to talk to writers that everyone, if it's like the same kind of issues, they might manifest kind of differently, but the same kind of issues come up. And then also it's across the spectrum of, you know, people who are just really beginners and they're trying to write for the first time and they haven't even maybe finished a manuscript all the way through to writers who have published multiple books and won awards and, <laughs> you know, got amazing reviews and things like that. Everyone has the same kind of fears and those fears don't really ever go away. Um, in fact, sometimes they can get worse when you get published because you have like more of a sense of an audience or more of a sense of, you know, there's there are people who are definitely going to read your work and, you know, and they're mm-hmm. going to judge it or say about it. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I think, I don't, I don't think it ever really goes away. I think you just, you find ways of dealing with it and coping with it and you find ways of working in spite of those fears and in spite of those doubts. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's that's certainly something that I found through doing this podcast. As you say, regardless of the stage of the writer's career, the same kind of fears come up and, and that's weirdly comforting. But also, I mean, I was I also wanted to ask you, how did you find um, going you know, getting published, obviously something you wanted for a long time, you worked very hard. And then like you, you just alluded to the, the fears growing or, or changing and not just disappearing when you got, when you get published. How, how did you find that experience, your debut and so on? Well, I, I mean, I was very anxious about, I, I was very excited, but also very anxious mm. about publishing my book. Um, and I really had this feeling that I wanted it to be perfect. Um, and I drove my editor a little bit crazy because I just, like, I wanted to make changes, um, very close to the, you know, to the end of the process. I was still making little tweaks and little changes to the language. And, um, I've learned, I learned with my second book to be a lot more gentle with myself. I think that was something that I needed to learn was to not be so, I was very hard on myself with my first book. I was very, like like I said, I had this idea that I wanted it to be perfect, which firstly doesn't exist, like a perfect book. It just doesn't exist um, because books are so subjective and something that's perfect to one person is going to be imperfect to another person. Um, but I, I had these, I just had, a, I had a, a sense of wanting to control it and not really wanting to let go. And I had to, yeah, I think that's the thing with your first book maybe is that it's the first time that you really have to 
let go. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to kind of hand it over. It's going, it's going to become a book in this state. You can't make it any better. It is, you know, it's, it is what it is. You've done everything you, you've done everything you can and, and you have to just let it go and see how people react. And I think rationally, I knew that of course some people would, would like it and some people wouldn't. And I was like kind of trying to prepare myself for that, but on an emotional level, level, um, it was different. It was, it was, it was harder to, to kind of wrap my head around, like you're putting this thing out into the world and what if people don't like it? And that's, it's, you know, it oh, it's scary. Like- yeah. It's properly scary. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. So how have you found that you've kind of got used to it a wee bit now that the book's been out for a wee while? How are you feeling about your second book coming out? Yeah, I feel I feel very different and much better about it. Good. That it is just experience and time and realizing that yes, you can people can not like your book and also you don't stop writing because of that and you don't mm. implode as a person and you don't stop being yourself. I don't know, it's just it's not actually as damaging as as you kind of think that it's going to be. Um but yeah, I did have a moment with Stray Garden um, when we were getting close to the end. It was kind of like second past pages. It was the last time I could read it over um, or even first past pages. And I did have this instinct to suddenly make all these changes. Like it felt like every sentence was wrong <laughs> <laughs> and every comment had to be moved and things like that. Um, uh, but I, I, I was able to kind of recognize that that was happening again. Mm. Um, and I think that's only something that really happens with perspective and with experience is that you can kind of recognize, oh, okay, yeah, this is how I feel around this stage. It's very normal. It's okay. Um, and, yeah, and I, I kind of went I'm, – I'm really lucky in that I have an agent who's very supportive and very kind. And um, I told her that I was really worried about it, and she, I kind of sent her the list of changes I wanted to make. And she actually helped me narrow them down. She actually yeah. helped me – make the list shorter um because I at the end of the day I didn't want to just be moving things around just for the sake of moving things around mm. um I get to that stage where you're not actually making the book better oh yeah with, <laughs> with things that don't need to be changed yeah definitely there's always a stage in the edits isn't there when you realize that you've spent all day changing things and then the next day you've changed them back or you've changed yeah. some a lot a lot of them back and you think yeah no I'm done now <laughs> And and I think that is, and I'm sure as as I publish, you know, if I get the opportunity to publish more books, that I I will probably feel more and more comfortable with that mm. process go. Um, because I do think it's just like an experience thing. But yeah, so with Stray Garden, I did um, I I made a conscious choice to be more gentle with myself. Mm. I made a conscious choice to go. Okay, I'm actually this book is is good. I'm proud of it. I've done all that I can. I've worked really really hard on it. And now I'm going to let it go and let it be what it is. Good. Oh, that's brilliant. And speaking of um, sort of moving on and things, what are you working on at the moment or what's next for you? So I'm working on another middle grade fantasy book. I always joke that I write books um, about magical girls with secrets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's another kind of magical book about a girl with a secret. Um, And, yeah, I don't... Uh, like I said about my writing process, it's really messy and discombobulated and it takes a long time for me to figure out what a book is actually about. Mm. So I can't tell you about because I, I don't really know and it will probably change like yeah. three times over before it actually is finished. So 
Um, but it is. It's middle grade fantasy, and I'm really excited about it. I really love it. It's a bit of a bigger world than I normally write. Um, my first two books have both been quite um, quite sort of claustrophobic in a cool way, like like smaller, like kind of yeah, just smaller worlds. Um, and this world feels a bit more expansive, so it does feel a bit scarier because it feels like something that I haven't done before and I'm kind of pushing myself as a writer but at the same time I like that feeling of pushing myself I like but I'm kind of I feel like I'm challenging myself and doing something that I haven't done before mm, no that sounds very really positive and um, like you say we need to keep challenging I think we need to keep challenging ourselves I think that's really exciting so um where can people find out more about you and your books online okay so my website is hayleychewins.com um, and it's Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-Y, Chewin, C-H-E-W-I-N-S.com. Um, I have a newsletter that I send out every month, which is usually very personal. And it's like things that I don't share anywhere, anywhere else. So if people are interested in my kind of behind the scenes writing life, um, they can go sign up for that. And the only social media I'm doing at the moment is Twitter. So I'm at Haley underscore Chewins. Um, and that's about it. That's wonderful. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, but that was wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.